All right, welcome. It is Bowerly News Radio 930 WBEN. Tommy with you. Josh Schmidt making the magic behind the glass. He's uh, he is Oz. He's the man behind the curtain, if you prefer. So uh, one of our big stories on WBEN today is uh, the shortage of volunteer firefighters, and they've got real serious uh, man and woman power issues in the local volunteer firefighting departments. So if you are a chief or an assistant chief at one of the departments and you want to make a pitch for volunteers in your service area, I will happily open up the show to you, okay? Uh, I'll happily try to uh, help you with your manpower issue. I can't promise you anything, but I can certainly try. So let me know. Because you drive past certain fire halls and they've got on their signboards, volunteers needed, volunteers needed. And uh, obviously it's a noble thing to do, volunteering to be a firefighter. It can be dangerous work, can also be very rewarding work uh, for those who are able to do it. Now, I'm not sure why we've had such a drop off in volunteer firefighting. It might be as simple as the graying of our population. We are an older area. And let's face it, you get to be a certain age, and uh, last thing you want to do is throw out a hip or throw out a back lifting a hose or running to some emergency call. You don't need to be doing that. You know, I would imagine that for the most part, it's got to be a, uh, a younger person's work. If you've got a bad back or something, I, just, I, I can't imagine you uh, wanting to do it. So if you are a volunteer firefighter, what, what's in it for you? What do you get out of being a volunteer firefighter? Seriously, what do you get? What is the thrill? What is it, the camaraderie? What is it? And if you need people, I'd love to, I'd love to know. And I'm going to take it one step further. Because we seem to have a volunteer crisis in western New York on our hands. The uh, SPCA serving Erie County just last week put out a call for new volunteers for the SPCA. They need people to do pretty much everything there is to do at the shelter. I don't remember the last time the SPCA serving Erie County had to put out a call for volunteers. But it's getting harder and harder to get people to volunteer. Could one of the reasons be that many people are living their lives virtually and they're not having any human contact and they just presume that if they ever have a fire or an emergency, they pick up the phone, they punch in the numbers and people just miraculously appear from nowhere? Um, I, I wonder. I wonder if technology and our reliance on technology is affecting people's level of volunteerism. Um, are people just working too hard? Uh, according to everything I've read, the younger people, uh, they don't want the lives of their fathers and their mothers. They don't want their life to revolve around work. They're really big on what they call the life-work balance, which, believe me, I totally get. So the uh, phone number, uh, I can't believe I've got one call. <laughs> I have one lonely little caller on this subject, just one. 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. And the other thing I would ask you is, where do you volunteer? Where I, I know that you are a kind and noble bunch of people who listen to this show. Where is it you volunteer? 
and, and how did you happen to choose that particular uh, place at which to volunteer? 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. Started with volunteer firefighters, but I think we can expand that list a little bit. Uh, okay, let's go to my one little caller, uh, Bill in Marilla. Bill, welcome. You're on WBEN. Yeah, welcome. How are you? How, yeah, hearing me right? Um, yeah, yes, sir. And a different phone. Okay, yeah. I'm my name is Bill. I'm a volunteer out in Marilla right now. I started in uh, Chickawaga Company for 10 years. I've been in the service for 40 years. I've been an EMT for 40 years also. Holy cow. That's a lot. What kind of training did you have to go through uh, then and now? Uh, a lot. Um, and it's probably one of the things that makes people hesitate a little bit, but it's necessary in order to stay safe and in order to be productive in what you're trying to do and be professional as you can. Um, we're not professionals because we don't get paid to do it. But I think one of your questions was, why do we do it? I guess it's because it makes us feel good when things go right and when we can help people. Like I tell all my folks, because I happen to be the president now also of the fire company, you know, we're typically helping people out on their on their worst day is when they call us. They call us because they need our help. So as, as an EMT, I would imagine, especially out in Marilla, we got some wide open roads that you've seen some pretty, uh, pretty nasty things. Yeah, you do. Uh, you see things that you don't normally prepare for. And I, I don't want to say it's, uh, it's fun, uh, but there is a little bit of adrenaline to it. I've been doing it so long that I don't even know how not to do it anymore. Um, but it, you have some really good days in the fire service, and you make some really good things happen for people, and sometimes things don't go the way you want them to go. But I think overall, uh, as a society, uh, volunteerism is hurting. I, I see it. Um, I, when I first joined the fire service way back when, um, there was a waiting list. <laughs> I actually had to wait, I think, uh, six months before there was even room for me to join the ranks. Now, uh, there's no such thing as a waiting list. And I don't think that happens anywhere, waiting lists anymore. It's not just in a smaller company like Marilla. It's all the companies that struggle to keep keep the ranks up. And maybe it's, there's a lot of pressure on people nowadays to maybe work two jobs, uh, maybe daycare issues. I, I don't really know, but we're, we're trying everything. Um, other than, you know, we're up for ideas. Well, you know, if it makes you feel any better, they can't even find people to be paid police officers with the salary and the benefits cops get. They can't even find people to do that anymore. Yeah, and it's, and it's weird because we're, we're doing it for free, and sometimes um, we'll come to pump somebody's house, and, and they still have the impression we're kind of sitting at the fire hall maybe getting paid. They don't even really understand sometimes the concept of, of a volunteer as opposed to a paid department. Maybe they move from an area that doesn't have such a thing. But it's, it's uh, interesting to explain to them, you know, five minutes ago I was sleeping in my bed, and now I'm dressed up and at your house, you know, and they, they wonder, you know, how that happens. But, do, do you always have somebody at the fire hall? No, not at all. So you, you, in order to respond to a call, you've got to have somebody get to the fire hall to get the apparatus and then get it to the service address? Correct. So, you know, there's, there's times when it takes a little longer than we'd like it to, but, you know, when I'm going from a dead sleep to getting dressed and getting to somebody's house, it, it takes a, a toll on you. You know, you mentioned before about your your back aching and all those kind of things, and we all have the same things happen to us. Sometimes guys aren't available to, to do, uh, you know, some of the work they need to do, and when we get older, we've got to do less, and 
we could really use some new young members. I mean, because we're we're not getting. I'm, I know I'm not getting any younger. I probably, if I had a whole bunch of people behind me right now, I probably wouldn't be doing it. But I, I don't see anybody behind me. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I mean, Marilla is. I mean, first of all, you you've got a limited population from which to draw, and then you've got a limited population of people. What age What age range is uh, is acceptable to begin uh, service as a volunteer firefighter? We start at eighteen. Some fire companies have junior programs in that where they start at 16, where they are limited of what they do. Um, you know, we might entertain that again, but there, there's a lot of challenges with that because it takes manpower to, to administer those kind of programs. And also, I've found over the years, sometimes we spend a lot of time and effort on the very young members. And then, you know, obviously they have other plans eventually. They're going to move away, go to college things and so then they're really not as long term as we'd like them to be man that's got to be that's got to be frustrating uh so anybody who lives in marilla should contact the marilla fire department absolutely stop by on a thursday night when we have a, a drill every week um we're always got applications there for people we're always looking for people to help us and, and if if you don't like it you, you don't like it but I, I think a lot of people will once and don't be afraid of the training the training's a little intense at first, but um, it, it's important. And like I said, I've been an EMT for 40 years, and I can't believe how much things has changed over 40 years. You know, the things we used to learn aren't important anymore, and other things are more important. And there's a lot more challenges. We went through a blizzard. We stayed overnight. Um, you know, you have the pandemic. There's, there's a lot of different things that go into it, but we do it together. And I got to say the camaraderie has a part, too, for people. I mean, I know people in my fire hall. I can pretty much get any kind of expertise I need, from fixing my car to fixing my roof. I'll find somebody that knows how to do something. Wow. Well, yeah, you know what? That's that's uh, that's terrific. So uh, get in touch with Bill or somebody at the Marilla Fire Hall or stop by the Thursday night drills if you are interested. I hope we rustle up some new blood. Is there a maximum age at which somebody can volunteer, or does it depend on one's fitness level? It's really about fitness. It's really about fitness. I don't want to set an age because then they'll kick me out. <laughs> I meant to start. Um, all right. Thank you very much, Bill. Good luck. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Uh, volunteering, volunteerism, especially with volunteer fire departments. Is it going down the drain? I want to help you guys who are volunteer firefighters just identify your fire department and uh, let people know you need some uh, manpower or some woman power. Tell us all what's involved. And if it's not volunteer fire service, exactly where do you volunteer? And, uh, you know, why? another interesting thing is why don't you volunteer? Why don't you volunteer uh, at, at anything? Um, kind of kind of interesting. 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Of everything, I would think the, uh, the camaraderie would be the tops. And then knowing that you're helping people on their worst possible day would be uh, number two on the list uh, if I had to imagine what your list happens to be. Volunteer firefighters, uh, they're hurting for personnel. I want to know why. And if you uh, want to put out a clarion call for volunteers for your department, by all means, pick up the phone and uh, give us a ring. Let's go to uh, Professor Mike in Depew on WBEN. Hello. How are we doing, Tom? Good yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can we do for you? So I was uh, listening to your uh, initial request in your program. I know you had uh, a gentleman on previous uh, from Marilla, and um, he had some, some very keen insights. And uh, I spent uh, 24 years uh, with DePue, uh, 
retired as a first lieutenant, and um, I, I found it highly, highly re rewarding. Um, the gentleman previous uh, on the previous call indicated something which was very true. Um, approximately 40 years ago, if you joined the fire service, there was generally a waiting list to get into some of these areas. Um, and it had to do with the requirements uh, of the job. Where I came from, Depew, um, in the early 80s, had a force of 140 men, and they were basically broken into six different companies. And um, I, find it, I found it highly rewarding. Uh, some of the training initially um, was very, very intensive. Uh, some departments uh, tackled different uh, um, issues. Some strictly run firefighting services. Uh, some run first aid calls. Uh, some do auto extrication. In Depew, we did firefighting and uh, auto extrication. I was with a pumper company, and we specialized in the firefighting initial attack and the auto extrication. That's what we specialize in. There are guys that join a hook and ladder company, and they do a lot of ladder work and roof work and such, uh, such as that. So there were different venues and different avenues for your training. And um, a couple things I think have, have occurred that have uh, allowed uh, for the dramatic drop in, in numbers. Um, one of them is actually an economic reason. Uh, years previous, uh, up into the 70s and early 80s, uh, a lot of uh, areas and factories were running three shifts. No one does it anymore. So you would typically have firemen that maybe work the second or third shift, and they might have been available during the day. We don't see that occurring anymore. Most people work during the day, so they're able to attend in the evenings. During the day, they have an abysmal turnout for fire responses. So that's one of the initial problems today. Wow. Now, you're the second person to mention, well, you know, at first the training might be a little intense. That leaves a lot of people thinking, well, how intense is intense? What? Be specific. Well, okay, so it depends on what department you join and what it is you do. So, for example, if you, um, we did auto extrication and firefighting. So uh, when I first signed up, they sent you to the academy for 15 weeks of initial firefighter training. Uh, they called it the essentials of firefighting. So that was a 15-week course. Um, and since we did auto extrication, and I, I wanted to specialize also in medical services, that was another 15 weeks of training for your medical preparation. And is that every single day, eight hours, or is that once a week? No, they were doing it gener generally once a week. But you have to understand if you're doing, for example, medical training, um, you have to practice during the week. There's reading and assignments for you to tackle. So you have to take care of, of that aspect uh, as well. And then if you decide to, to continue your, your service, so, for example, if you have any medical training, you have to recertify every so many years of the medical training. So you can be a first responder or you can be what they call an EMT, and everyone pretty much knows as emergency medical technicians. They have to recertify regularly. So when you go so many weeks to obtain that training, it doesn't stay forever. It might be another three years, two years, and you're back in for recertification. So that has to constantly be upgraded, that kind of uh, training. And then, in addition, uh, you, if you want to be an officer, they'd like you to go to incident command. There are courses for just about everything. There are pump courses, learning how to operate the pumps in uh, particular firefighting engines. If you're running a heavy-duty rescue, there are requirements there. If you are running auto extrication, you have to go to school for your auto extrication training to learn how to handle the jaws of life. 
and some of these uh, training courses require constant recertification. So that's in addition to your department requirements. Now, Professor Mike, I need you to uh, hold on here because uh, I need to break. I'm a prisoner of the clock. If you're on hold, kindly stay there because I'm trying to help the volunteer fire companies in the area get some new members because it's a real problem. And it was illustrated with that Springville arson fire. Do you see the photo of the suspect? Yeah. I didn't know my sister was going to do great things in her life, but uh, wow. All right, welcome. It is Bowerly, News Radio 930 WBEN. So, big story on WBEN today has been uh, the clarion call for more volunteers to be volunteer firefighters because that big fire in Springville and all the mutual aid that had to be called in, uh, illustrative of a lack of man and woman power within the local volunteer fire ranks. And uh, I'm inviting you, if uh, you're chief or an assistant chief or member of a fire department, to call in and uh, say, hey, we also need volunteers, um, because that would be cool. That way I feel like I'd be doing something uh, in terms of community service myself. I mean, other than what the judge ordered. Uh, let's get back to uh, Professor Mike in uh, Depew, uh, who was uh, retired as a first lieutenant from the volunteer fire service. And one thing I want to ask you, all the training of which you speak, is that maybe one of the reasons why you no longer have a waiting list? Because my understanding is, over the years, the training uh, to become a firefighter has become increasingly um, complex. Yeah, it's, it's become onerous, and I had indicated to you that one of the first things you would take is firefighting essentials, and then depending if you want to be, if you're working first aid or responding to those calls, uh, you, you'll have additional medical training. There is, that's just a, a baseline of training. There's a plethora, an abundance of different courses that could be required of you. Um, the companies and departments, I should say, because a lot of departments have multiple companies, the ones that run first aid, um, it, it, it is all-consuming because not only are you responding to auto accidents and fire calls, you're running first-aid calls, and that would include strokes, heart attacks, things of that nature. These guys, men and women, um, are, are in some of these instances just run ragged. If you are in your town or your village, any time that you happen to be there, you swear, you take an oath, and you're swore in. Basically, anytime you're in that town or village, you're considered on duty. So if you're at home and if it's a Saturday morning, it's a Friday night, you are expected to report. So when that alarm goes off, they specify and blow out certain companies, um, particularly if you're running auto accidents and uh, first aid, these people are running 24-7. It becomes all-consuming in terms of the time. Wow. So that right there is one of the biggest factors. Um, it's it's a very exciting thing. Um, it's adventure. It's very adventurous, and the camaraderie is certainly there. But it requires a very extensive commitment on your part. Now, also, not all firemen go into buildings and fight fires. Um, I did for 24 years. Um, we were the guys that wore the, what they call the Scott Pack, so the, the SCBA self SCBA self-contained breathing apparatus. That has a host of additional dangers. About one in three firemen actually go into buildings and fight fires. 
And the thing is, is if you're in the fire service and your job, for example, is to wear an air pack, you are guaranteed to be going into fires. And with that comes the danger of cancer. I was one of those people that actually contracted cancer. Um, I've been fighting cancer for the last 10 years, um, and they've attributed to what I was exposed to. I'm fighting kidney cancer, and I've had bladder cancer. Oh, that's horrible. Um, it's becoming very much a problem to the extent now that they're trying to limit the number of people that go into buildings, and they're trying to wipe everything down. Um, there are the, the top 10 carcinogens found in, in, in the world are found all over our bunker and gear. So that is becoming an epic problem. So that is scaring some people, but you should know that if you join the fire service, you don't necessarily have to go into burning buildings. Some people operate the trucks, the pumps. Some people do exterior ladder work. So you don't have to go into fires and do what they call fire attack unless you have specialized training for that and you're prepared to take those risks. Well, that's, that's quite a risk. I mean, bladder cancer is not a hell of a lot of fun, uh, nor is kidney cancer, I'm quite sure. Uh, Mike, I, I have other people I need to talk to. I'm, I'm glad you called in. Um, I, I must confess, you didn't exactly make a great case for people to uh, want to get involved in the fire service. Well, there are, there are benefits, and one of the last things I will say here is, for example, you can have a service awards program, and I am certainly entitled to a pension. If you put in 20 to 25 years, you could be looking at a pension of close to $600 a month. So that is offered to you for that, for that extended service. There are benefits. There are rewards. You learn how to handle yourself. You learn skills. You certainly learn camaraderie and friendship. And you're performing a vital service to your community. So all of that is highly rewarding. All right, uh, Professor Mike, thank you uh, very much. I had no idea that Professor Mike was uh, up against, uh, uh, up against uh, fighting cancer, and uh, you know, we wish him, obviously, uh, the best of health. Let's go to, uh, I mean, usually bladder cancer is a smoking-related thing, and uh, you know, when people die in fires, smoke inhalation is generally the cause of death. You are unconscious before the flames uh, do what they're going to do. Uh, here is uh, Mary in uh, Hamburg on WBEN. Mary, uh, are you in the fire service? I have been a member of the Scranton Fire Company for almost 33 years. And, and how is the uh, staffing where you are? We are always looking for more people, um, especially during the days. There's always, because there's so many people that work so far away from home, there's always staffing during the days, but um, we're always looking for more volunteers. When how, how long have you been with the Scranton uh, Fire Hall? Thirty. I joined in June of 1990. Okay, okay, I think, I think you said that. I'm sorry. At what point did you notice a fall-off in volunteers? I would say 10, 15 years ago it started getting progressively worse. Um, you're looking at families that have two incomes where the parents can't, you know, they're, they're, they're having to go to work to make a living to those. So they can't, they don't have the time to put into trainings and to spend the time at the fire hall. Um, I was lucky. My, I met my husband at the fire hall. Um, and it was, so we both understood what was going on, and we worked together. Um, but, yeah, I'd say a good 10, 15 years ago, it's been progressively getting worse. 
So, uh, ladies, all this talk about meeting guys at Home Depot, maybe you should become volunteer firefighters. Maybe that's where to meet the man of your dreams. I didn't go in doing that. Um, it's actually my grandfather and father were charter members of the Langford, New Oregon Volunteer Fire Company out in North Collins. I have two brothers that are members out there. I have a sister and brother-in-law that are members of East Concord. It's like a family thing for us. Right. Um, is it is it that way with most of your members? Um, yeah, quite a few. Um, we have a lot of families that become member. You know that are you know one joins and then another one joins and another one joins. We have a husband, wife, and their two two of their children are in. We have a lot of families that have been in. Um, we have a member that um, he just retired. After 60 years of active service with our fire company. Good Lord. Good Lord. And another gentleman who had 55 years. They both retired in January from active duty with us. Um, well, and uh, their kids have been members. And <laughs> now, as far as uh, people who are new members, uh, what would be the, the oldest person who's knocked on the door and said, hey, I want to be a volunteer firefighter? We had a gentleman a few years ago. He was in his, I want to say he was in his 60s. Um, he, he of course, wasn't, didn't want to become an interior firefighter. He went more of the exterior firefighter, and then he became fire police, which is always, that is something that is, their numbers are dwindling also. Um, they're the ones that when there's auto accidents, they're the ones directing traffic. Um, he went that route. He was, I was going to say, late fifties, early sixties when he joined. Because um, I mean, we also have. The, the, we excuse also me, have but there. excuse me, but the, the reason I bring that up uh, is, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now uh, who are in their fifties or sixties, and they might like to give it a try. But as you know, the older you get, the knees don't cooperate, the back starts to ache, you worry about a hernia, and a million other things that uh, the flesh is heir to. Um, I'll admit I am no longer an active firefighter. I don't go on calls, but I serve on the board of directors, um, and I run fundraisers, and I, um, I'm also a member of our auxiliary, and I help when, you know, when, we, when there's big fires and that, we're there to go in and bring them refreshments, things like that. Um, but I don't go on calls because I have two bad knees. But there is something for everyone. Um, in with us with Scranton, we do the um, we do active you know firefighting. Obviously, we also have a heavy rescue for auto extrication. We have a ladder truck that does the roofs and ladder operations, and we also have an EMS squad where members can join just to become an EMT, and the company slash county pays for them to become an EMT. And we've had a lot of people that have taken gone, got that training, and then turned around and turned, become employed by AMR as, or Twin City as a paid EMT. They're our volunteers, but, because, but they're also doing it as a paid EMT. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, very interesting indeed. Um, and, and that job, unfortunately, does not pay what people might think it pays uh, for, the, for the work no, you have to not. put into it. Uh, you don't really get a lot out of it. Um, so... The other thing I was just thinking about, and I got to get on to some other folks as well, but uh, if you are always considered to be on duty when you are in your area of service, that means you can never have one too many drinks, can you? Um, 
No. Um, as soon in our company, as soon as you have one drink, you're not allowed on the calls. That's the way we. That's the way we operate. Your first sip of a drink, you're done. You do not go on calls. Wow, that's worse than pilots. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's actually. Well, it's just, uh, yeah, you think about it. You, you, with us running the ambulance, you don't want somebody working on you that has liquor on your breath. No, that's okay. Another interesting question. Do, do you guys do alcohol or drug tests before you accept somebody as a firefighter? They have to go through a physical. Um, which, include, required, which includes uh, that? They they do a lot of things. Um, you gotta, There's a physical that we send to a company that you have to go to a physical. Um, we, do, we do background checks on people. That's required by the state. And the physicals that they have to pass are required by the state. Very interesting. And where where are you guys on THC? Because marijuana and gummies seem to be everywhere, and society has changed its views on that. What if somebody wants to volunteer, but uh, you know they're also into cannabis? Um, to be honest, with that has not been brought up as a subject. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised. Uh, yeah. uh, thank no, you. I mean, Thank so you very much. I'm sorry, overlap. Women. I'm sorry, the, your, your listeners that are women, there's always something for us to do. Um, I was an exterior firefighter. I was an EMT. I have held a lot of positions. I was even president of my fire company. Um, there's always something that can be done. And if you don't want to join the fire company, look about joining the auxiliary because they support the fire company. Well, that's awfully cool. Mary, um, what a great call from Scranton, Hamburg, New York. Thank you very much uh, for your fire service, and I hope that anybody in the area uh, gets in touch with the Scranton Fire Hall, correct? Yep, any Wednesday night, we're at the hall. Wednesday night, at the hall, Scranton slash Hamburg, New York. Um, thank you very much, Mary. Great call. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm. Le- I don't know. Are you guys learning as much as I am? Because uh, this is kind of like a whole new world to me. Uh, talking about volunteering, the local fire companies are really in a pinch in terms of manpower and woman power. And you know, with all the training that you have to go through, I can understand that. And as far as the interior firefighters um, raising your risk of cancer, that, that's not really appealing, especially for something for which you're not getting paid. Uh, and that's what Professor Mike uh, had had brought up. Um, I know some some Buffalo paid Buffalo firefighters who uh, did that uh, Niagara Street fire with the chlorine uh, 15 years ago or so, and uh, they were never the same. So uh, we're talking about uh, volunteering, volunteering in Western New York. You know, where do you volunteer? Special focus on firefighting. Uh, and EMT people, but not limited to that. Let's go to uh, my mom, for example, used to volunteer at a nursing home for many, many years. Then that nursing home shut down, and as I recall, it was no longer convenient, and uh, goodbye volunteering, Um, which is really a shame because there was one lady who made killer macaroni and cheese that my mother loved. Uh, Total soul food. It was soul food macaroni and cheese, I might add. Let's go to Dory in Wales. You are on WBEN. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Um, My husband and I used to volunteer at a nursing home. Uh, We were there for 442 days. My husband's a licensed New York State physician. He volunteered his time to treat residents, patients, um, even staff. And he was there in hospice for three months with another physician that was actually expiring. And like I said, we volunteered at this nursing home for 442 days. 
until Governor Cuomo threw us out. And uh, then we started volunteering in a restaurant. And I'm now the resident witch at the restaurant. I make the witch's brew, okay? Um, Witch's brew is a very special drink that we serve complimentary on the house after dinner. It's made with holy water, okay? And it's very good for your digestion. You know how to make holy water, right? Um, I must confess, I do not. Oh, well, if you're Lutheran, you just boil the hell out of it. (laughs) Okay. But uh, my husband is the wine doctor at the restaurant, and he serves the wine and serves the drinks, and he acts as the maitre d'. So that's what we're doing now. So, okay, just I I have to ask you, why would you volunteer at a for-profit establishment? Because uh, the owner of the restaurant and his wife are friends of ours that we've known for 40 years. And he's also one of my husband's old patients. And it, it's just fun to do. And um, that way he can't fire me because you can't fire volunteers. So uh, it's really fun. Well, let, let me just get back to the nursing home thing for just a moment. As a licensed yes. physician not being mm-hmm. paid, wasn't your husband worried about exposure to litigation when he wasn't receiving any compensation? Was he covered no. by the nursing home? No. He actually still treats some of the staff from that nursing home. They still call him for help. Really? I guess yeah. it's a it's a different world in Wales. Well, no, this was um, actually, I, I don't want to say the name of the nursing home. No, but I mean, but, like, the, the Good Samaritan laws would not apply to somebody who's a licensed physician. Well, you know, he when he retired, okay, um, he didn't really plan on doing this, but um, he, he started helping at a facility in Orchard Park, and then he went to see people at um, Elderwood facilities, and then people at Peregrine's Landing. He had patients that had ended up in nursing homes and called him and, and needed consultation or help or, you know, just some advice. And then again, uh, a lot of the staff would ask him for help. Wow. Which, because, you know, they... He would advise them, tell them, of course, go to your own doctor, but ask him this and tell him this and ask him this. So he wasn't actually practicing. He didn't retain his license when he retired? No, no, no. He's got his license. That's No, he's still, yeah, still has his license. In fact, they asked him for a copy of his license just to show that he was still legally practicing in New York State. And he carries a license today. And he's only 83, so I don't see why it would be a problem. He's only 83. Uh, Correct. Uh, well, I thank you. Uh, I thank you very much, Dory. Great call. Great thank call. Thank um, a, a volunteer doctor, and he's only 83. I hope to see 63. Uh, Josh Schmidt is at Master Control. It is uh, 4:56 at News Radio 930 WBen. We'll have uh, more of your telephone calls coming up in the final hour of the program, talking about volunteering. Uh, with a focus on volunteer firefighting, but that doesn't have to be, an ex- that's not the exclusive uh, area or topic of conversation. It's Bowerly, News Radio 930 WBEN on a Thursday, my loves. One more day and it's the weekend, but no Buffalo Bills.